0: Hey, what's up? Friends, Grant Walden here. Glad to have you with us today for episode 375 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, uh, I'm excited to share today's conversation with my buddy, Rick Clemens, our lead coach here at the Speaker Lab. Rick brings a ton of expertise whenever it comes to developing stagecraft. And so we're going to take this opportunity today to dive into the art side of being a professional speaker. Now, during our conversation, Rick is going to be addressing the question of what speakers should be doing to take the content and delivery of your presentation to the next level. We're going to talk about bringing your craft to life, understanding your artistic ability, and finding your very own inner performer. We're also going to be talking about the value of outside perspective and the balance of performance versus being in the moment. I'm also asking Rick to share a little bit about something new that we have here coming up at the Speaker Lab. Very soon, we're going to be launching a brand new small cohort of students that are going to be working specifically on developing their craft, the art of speaking. Through live virtual sessions, Rick is going to be working with each student to cover everything from finding the right story to receiving constructive feedback and navigating the technical things that make all the difference as a speaker. Both today's episode and this upcoming cohort with Rick are going to be awesome, whether you're just beginning your journey as a speaker or you need to find really just Kind of that fresh take on delivering your message. This episode has something for everyone. So let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Rick Clemens on developing your stagecraft. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the Lab podcast. Today, we're hanging out with uh, my buddy, Rick Clemens, who is uh, our head coach here at the Lab. He works with our students day in and day out. Rick, thanks for
1: joining us, man. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. You know, you're pulling me away from all the other stuff I'm supposed to be doing, but I know,
0: I know he's, he's getting paid either way to to hang out with us. So, all right. So let's start by talking about this idea of being a presenter. I think a lot of times whenever it comes to being a, uh, just a speaker in general, we assume like, well, I've got my script, I've got my notes, I've got my talking points, the things that I want to hit. And we just assume that like, we just go up and wing it, but there's a lot more that happens kind of behind the scenes to prepare for that. So can you kind of talk us through like, how would you even think about like the difference between being a, a speaker Versus being a performer.
1: Well, I look at it from the perspective of it's kind of like what happens in the lovely little place called Hollywood. (laughs) You suddenly (laughs) have a script. And from that script, it suddenly then becomes these blockbuster movies or, you know, you have this Tony Award winning musical or play and it comes from script to like suddenly it comes to life. And it's not exactly the same sort of thing, but there's a lot of elements to it. So in most of those cases and having come from theater and stuff, I mean, we sit down, we do what's called a table read. And we sit around a table and we just kind of read through the script and we get it going and we kind of understand it. And then you start adding the other elements like intonations and speed of talk and volume. And and then suddenly one day you're standing on stage with the script in hand and you're starting to do the movements and stuff. This is what it's like to be a speaker too. you like you get your script, you get going like, okay, cool. Now, nothing wrong if you walk out on stage and you just kind of do your thing. But man, to power it up and to really have impact and to make people go, we want to hire this guy again or this gal. It's like, wow, they blew our minds. They did like stupid little things or sometimes it's really big things on stage that the delivery and the content was amazing, but then it could be that one little movement on stage or that always showing up in a certain space on stage that continues to drive at home. And this is what I consider to be like the art of stagecraft. And there's a lot of depth here. We can't even begin to cover this in like 30 minutes, even though we could try to wave that magic wand. But I think this is where it separates you from being a speaker to being really a professional speaker that you understand your own artistic ability and the things that you can do to really bring things to life
0: yeah is this why that you you see some speakers who it's almost like if you gave five five different speakers the same script and asked them to present it it would come across as five different presentations is that really yeah. kind of what we're
1: talking about here yeah absolutely i mean the content can be absolutely the same and one of the things i've done when i've worked with people in stagecraft is like I'll hand them a line of script and say, "Okay, you're going to do this this way. I want you to work on just the volume. I want you to work on cadence. I want you to work on how do you progress this? Like do you keep it going quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker? Because it's how that line gets delivered that makes all the difference in the world. And so suddenly yes, everybody interprets this differently. I'm a big tall guy, I'm a big guy, so I use my my presence on stage to really deliver things. But when I do a contrast like I'm big and bold on stage. And then suddenly I crouch down and I become really small and I become the little boy again. People kind of like, oh, wow, they can feel it yeah. because here's this big guy. And suddenly he's in that small kid's space again. And that's why it is such an interesting thing to watch really amazing speakers. One of the guys that I really admire, and I'm not even going to remember his name now, but I was at National Speakers Association probably four or five years ago for the opening session. And he was the incoming president for the next year. And he walked out on stage, he's got his suit on and, and he says, so, you know, to really get things going here, I think I really need to get you to pay attention. And he ripped that jacket off and he goes, and I'm going to take you someplace that you never thought you could stand in your own power. And he puts his hands on either side of this plexiglass, nice podium. And he literally like pushes himself up into a handstand on that podium. Uh-huh. You will never forget that moment because his whole point is you got to put yourself in that space and do the handstands of your your own life, which was kind of like his whole message. But it was such a great example of stage presence and stagecraft. Now, that doesn't mean (laughs) I'm not going to go out there and do any handstands on stage, but there's things that each person brings that like catapults the experience for the audience and creates the memory. And I'm an old guy. I mean, I'm 58. and I still remember that from five years ago.
0: So. Do you find that most speakers, like even if they have really good content, that that whenever it comes to the delivery and the stagecraft, that that's the part that either we don't think about or we don't think it's a big deal or we're just like, well, I, I'll just hop up on stage and my charisma will carry
1: me through. Do you find that most speakers just don't give a lot of thought and attention to this? That's a great question because to say, generalize that most don't, I think we all think about it in our own way, but suddenly we get in rehearsal and rehearsal and we get to learning our stuff and whether we rehearse line by line or we kind of rehearse, okay, I know this is the content. Here's kind of where I'm going. I'm going to give myself some flexibility to kind of be in the moment, no matter how good we are, And you know, and I know both, we both talked to hundreds of speakers throughout our years, being in this business, we can get in a rut really quick. Because we're just doing the talk. We're just doing the talk. Yet, I feel like the ones who really master the craft is like, what can I do this time to really wow the audience? Mm It doesn't have to be something big. I mean, I know for me, when I've been on stage and I think about, okay, the particular audience, I know my talk. But what is that thing I'm going to bring in that actually is really going to be for this audience? Mm -hmm. I may not change anything really big, but it could be how I make a particular move. Or, and one of the things I love to talk about is like finding your, your space on stage and finding the light, knowing where the light is. And there will be moments that I will, I was in one theater probably a couple of years ago, right before COVID. I knew there's this dark space on the stage and we went through technical rehearsal and everything. I'm like, you know what? I think for this crowd, I'm really going to like use the dark space at least once in my talk. And when I got to a line that said, so, yeah, we all have these interesting, dark, dark, dark closets. We hide ourselves in. And as I said, dark, dark, dark. I was purposefully walking into that dark corner because yeah. I wanted to make that emphasis. Other stages, I don't have that because they've got them lit up really nicely and everything. But this was such an interesting place. And it was an old theater. And I'm like, this is going to make the point. So I think that's where professionals really like, hey, I've got this, but what can I do each time to like add just a little bit of spice? I think of it like in some
0: ways, it's kind of like going to Disney. You know, like if you were to mm-hmm. say, hang with me, I'm going somewhere with this, that, <laughs> it, you know, when you're like, well, okay, what makes Disney magical? Well, it's not like, well, oh, it's the rides. It's definitely, the, or it's the food, or it's the parades, yep. or it's the whatever. It's not one thing, but it's like a thousand little things that you don't necessarily think about. And so when you're watching like a great presentation, it's not like, oh, wow, they're really nailing the the speed of this or the enunciation or their pauses or their transitions are amazing or their movement. It's it's like the whole thing comes together and you're just like, dang, that was really, really, really good. And so I guess one question would just be, we've all seen those speakers or those presentations and you just walk away just kind of like spellstruck. And that was just amazing. Is that something that can be taught or is that something
1: that people either have that it factor or they don't? I absolutely believe it could be taught and I've been through lots of different programs where I've learned in my stage stuff that I've done when I was in theater and stuff, it's like, there is an inherent, okay, you have the performer within and some people they're really super blessed with it. Yet there's performers that quite honestly, they can't speak to save their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, just watch the Academy Awards any year. And it's like, man, these amazing actors and actresses get up on stage and then they go to deliver that acceptance speech. And it's like, (laughs) do we need to hand you a script to do this? Right. So I think it goes both ways. I do believe every one of us and some people are going to cringe as I say this and go, Oh no, no, not me. Every one of us has a performer within what we need to recognize is the performer within is our performer. It's not Julia Roberts. It's not, you know, Al Pacino. It's not any of those people. It's not Oprah delivering a graduation commencement speech. The performer is the one that makes you come alive, that you can become relatable to for your audience. Go take that performer, invite them out and play with it. To me, that's the magic. Yeah. And I think that to be like devil's advocate
0: here, you come from like a theater performance background. And so uh, that's something that like comes naturally to you or it feels like you have experience there. I know for me personally, like I don't have any experience with acting. I've been to like one the one theater Broadway show play in my, I don't even know what they call for me. It feels very, very different when it to, to be, when we think of performer, you think very, very theatrical. And I'm just like, that's not who I am, you know? So how is it that we find like what it means to be a performer, but to be a performer, like you kind of described, like as, as ourselves and not trying to be this, this character
1: of someone that we're not to say, I will, I will counteract your argument there by saying, (laughs) Grant, I've seen you speak man and your performer is there because you've got this really casual, fun, kind of sarcastic at times, but like almost like I'm just like this dumb guy that kind of made this all happen. That's your performer. You're letting that self-deprecating person show up. You're letting that, hey, I don't know how this whole thing happened for me, but here's where it is. Your performer is that performer that says I'm like the storyteller that brings the stories to life. There's people who they can't tell a story to save their life. But when they get behind, like, I'm going to teach you this technical stuff and I get really lit up and then, hey, hey, look, it's so interesting because that's their performer. Their performer is the technical person. If I tell them to ask them to tell a story, oh, my God, they're going to like freak and so this is why i say everybody has a performer within it doesn't have to be the theatrical it doesn't have to be the broadway person it doesn't have to be the performer you don't have to do a handstand on a podium on a stage you find what it is within you and one of the things that i like when i've watched you is your performer is this very off the cuff casual like it's just kind of matter of fact some people could never pull that off Cause they don't know how to do matter of fact. So instead of doing matter of fact, lean into what is your, your highest abilities and work that and work it to the hilt. So whenever you describe some of that about me, like,
0: yeah, I can see some of that and some of that resonates. So, and that's some stuff that maybe I, I wouldn't be able to identify myself. So is it, is this one of those things where that expression of trying to read the label from inside the jar of you need outside help or support or people around you that can say, hey, when I when you speak, I've noticed this, this, and this about you. And sometimes it's like when you identify those things like, ah, okay, yeah, that does click, that does resonate. Now I'd see what I can lean more into, or this other thing I'm trying to do, and this doesn't even align or resonate
1: with who I really am. Do you need that outside help to help uh, figure this out? I feel like you do. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a real life experience with me. I was working on a speech for a high school. I'm like, hey, who better to ask than my two teenage daughters who are, you know, one's been through high school and one's in high school. And I was trying to be this hip, cool, talk the student language sort of thing. And when I went through it with my kids, they're like, dad, that's not you. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're trying too hard. I'm like, okay, well, what would me be not trying too hard? Like be the silly dad. So I saw my kid do this. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, instead of like, try to bring Beyonce in or anything. It's that seeing it from somebody else's eyes. Now, also, I've done a lot of work on this part of my world too. And I always lean into like, show me what I can't see. And I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. So even my coach says to me, here's what I see. I have to see this from the outside in. If you don't ask for that outside help, I think you're actually hurting your own speaking business in a huge way. You've got to have somebody else see what you can't see to really up your game. How do you find the balance between being a performer
0: and then also just being fully present in the moment? What I mean by that is there are some speakers or presentations that you watch and it just feels like they're so deep in their own head. Like they're regurgitating a script. And I say this line and then I take five steps this way and then I do this with my hand. And it's just very formulaic and robotic. This is something I've talked about here on the podcast. Like this is something I don't love about Toastmasters is it's really, really formulaic and it's really, really robotic. And you're like, nobody acts like that. Nobody talks like that. And so how do you find the balance of being well-prepared and being well-rehearsed, but at the same time, not being overly stiff or rigid or so stuck to a script that you're just not even there with, like you may as well just play a video versus like trying to give a,
1: a live presentation. So how do you find that right balance? Again, I come back to what can I do to wow this audience? How can I be present and aware of, I know where I'm going. I know the journey I'm taking them on. But as I get onto that stage... I need to be aware of what's happening. So here's a really good example. Early on in my career was actually right after I started Booked and Paid to Speak. I was speaking at a college campus and I knew this so well. I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I got to that gig and I'm like, I I can't do this again. I cannot. But I'm here and I'm getting paid and I'm going to go do this. And I was taking the students through my journey and everything. And then I'm like, okay, this is a Wednesday night. They're all here for a grade. That's the only reason they're sitting in this auditorium. And I thought, okay, let's shake it up. Now, there's a risk there too. Any of us who have done this, we know that if you go off quote script, so to speak, there's a risk. But I was starting to see something come together. And I took the risk and I said, So let's just do something together here and let's get real. Not that I'm not being real with y'all, but let's get really real. And I took him through an experience comparing like why they're in college versus, you know, why I hid myself and who I was. And suddenly at the last minute, as I was taking him through that experience, and I said, So if you're here in this college pursuing this degree, being here because somebody else told you this is what you're supposed to do. And they all had their eyes closed. I said, raise your hand. And it was such an impactful moment because it tied to my own story of being in the closet and coming out. And I said, this is what it feels like to be stuck in a closet in your life because somebody else told you this is what you're supposed to do. It was the biggest risk I ever took. Well, not one of the biggest, but one of the biggest risks I ever took because I, that was not scripted. Yeah. It was so powerful because it became now part of the rest of the talk for years to come yeah. because I felt in that moment, I had to really connect them to something. Another example was I was a gal once sitting in the front seat of one of my talks and it was a pretty good sized group, a couple hundred people, but it was at one of those auditoriums where it's like completely lit up. But all mm-hmm. of us, all of the speakers hate those because Like, okay, it's really bright and it's all the same level and everything. But I got to a story about being in Britain and I said, and I was in jolly old London, London and I said, oh, you've been there. Why did I do that? Because she was sitting down there and she had this purse with like the Union Jack flag on. I said, oh, you've been there. And I'm like, girl, we should talk. And I hopped down into the, you know, it was all spontaneous. I didn't lose where I was, but that connected so well with the audience. And there was the performer that, you know, came out and played for a little while. And then I was like back up on stage, but everybody walked out of there, not everybody, but a lot of people came up to me afterwards like, That whole moment where you talked about the Union Jack flag, it really tied the rest of the story in because then we were there with you. We were in London. We were, wow, you and I held her purse up. I'm like, it doesn't really go with my outfit, but hey, this is, a you know, and I tied in the Union Jack flag then through the rest of the talk, which again was never scripted, never scripted whatsoever. So I think it's awareness and being open that the moment you walk out on stage, there's a whole playground in front of you use it wisely when you bring up
0: a great point there of when you when you do something that is clearly quote unquote not on script that the audience is aware of that and so it, it i think it makes the presentation even more genuine and more authentic because it's not like oh wait he had that lady planted up mm-hmm. there with a specific no no like she just happened to be there He's riffing on it, you know, or someone's cell phone goes off or something yeah. happens in the, in the moment that feels like this. Oh, you had to be there type of experience, which just makes, right. again, the presentation so much more real and authentic. Now, if you are so deep in your own head or you're so deep in the in your script and where you go next, and what the next line or next movement is, that you see this girl sitting there and see this person immediately, like uh, this thought cast aside, this idea cast aside, like you just lose that opportunity yes. to be in,
1: like more fully engaged with the audience. Absolutely. One of my favorite experiences, and you know I'm a big theater person, so we see shows all the time, and we were in New York City, and Adina Mazel, who was of Wicked fame, still is of Wicked fame, we saw her in another production called If Then. And so here we are watching this whole production. There's a scene in the middle of it where she's sitting in this kitchen talking to her boyfriend, and she's actually eating cereal. You know, and we're always like, okay, but they're not really eating. Well, she's actually eating the cereal. And suddenly she starts to cough and everything. And we're like, is this part of this? And then suddenly just, it was such a perfect thing. The orchestra pits right at the edge of the stage. And suddenly you see the conductor like raise his arm with a (laughs) bottle of water and Adina <laughs> sees it out of the corner of her eye and she walks over and takes a, you know, a taste of water and we're all just dying. Yeah. And she walks right back into that scene. So this is <laughs> shows you how much of a theater geek we are about four months later, that show was in LA and we're like, was that part of it? So we get to LA. I'm like, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that scene. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's see. And it doesn't happen. So I'm like, what a beautiful moment of how she, and I mean, she's a great professional actress and singer and everything. But it's like there was being in that moment, you know, and it was like the winning moment, pretty much of the great show. But it was like, wow, there's the reality of this stuff. Yeah. So allowing yourself to be in those moments, yet you have to be able to walk back in too. If you go out, and this is where I talk a lot with students who aren't doing this stagecraft stuff, like if you're going to take the risk, a make sure it's going to pay off, and b make sure if you take it on a whim. That you know how to bring it back in and you bring them back into the main experience you're trying to deliver on stage. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, like with that Broadway example,
0: it reminded me like when you're watching an SNL skit and they break character mm-hmm. and they start laughing. Like it makes it, it almost makes the sketch funnier, you know, because they yep. again it they're they're being genuinely like this is genuinely funny. And right. I I have to stop playing a character for a second. Now, one thing that you mentioned is that if you're going to step out of that character role for a second. And, you know, something happens in the audience or whatever that you're going to do something with that you're going to play with that you you have to make sure that the payoff is there. How do you know if the payoff is going to be there or not? Because sometimes it's just kind of you don't know until after the fact, meaning that you do something, you say something like you mentioned, uh, something happens, you say something You're like I'm going to keep using that every single time because that worked really, really well. And I didn't know until I got up there. At the same time, you may do something and like it that's supposed to be really funny and nobody laughs or it just yeah. comes across clunky or awkward. <clears throat> so you if you you're doing something with the hopes and intention of a payoff, but you really don't know if the payoff is gonna happen. So how do you kind of balance that in your mind of whether or not you should you should step out to to
1: to try that? For me personally, it's a gut instinct. I can actually feel the energy starting to surge when I'm like, I think I'm gonna like that night with the students <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna tell you to all close your eyes and do your I'm like, my gut instinct was like, I think this is truly going to work. I knew the payoff was I was making a correlation. So I knew there was that the actual payoff. I wasn't concerned how many actually participated. I had no idea how many hands were going to go up. I didn't really care. Even if one or two had gone up, I would have found a way to navigate around that. The real payoff was it hit a home run because Mm -hmm. when 70% of those kids raised their hands and like, yeah, I'm here because I'm told somebody told me I'm like, Whoa, I have something here, and and it was such a beautiful moment. Like I said, okay, now look around. You all are in this together now. You're not mm-hmm. alone, which is a, is a whole nother thing. But if it doesn't pay off, I'm I. Okay, you know me well enough, Grant. You know I'll I'll play this one up. I'm like, well. I never said I was good at sports. So I didn't hit a home run on this one either. And I'll move on. You know, it'll be something where I will do the self-deprecating humor. I'll like, okay, well that landed flat, but I promise you, the next thing I'm going to say is going to probably be a home run. Now, of course, I hope it really is a home run, but I'll find the way to move beyond it. Will it ever happen again? If it's flat? No. If it's flat and I'm like, I think I can make this work. I will then go into rehearsal mode in a big way. I will start to test it with, you know, a group of people before I go take it back out to stage, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned there, some of it's just kind of a a gut instinct. Do you think that that gut instinct is just something that just
1: comes with time and practice? I think so. I mean, think about your own speaking career. There's probably been many times that's like, you you suddenly said something slightly different way because it just, Hey, it started, it started to come out of our mouth in the wrong way. And like, well, it's already halfway out. I can't really correct what I just said. Right. And it's like, okay, it just kind of, it worked. Do I say, hey, as a brand new speaker and all of you that are brand new speakers and all of you that are going to come rushing to work with us, which you should, don't take those risks too prematurely. Learn your craft, learn how you deliver. In fact, one of the key things that I've learned about myself over the years is I know where my star shines the brightest. Mm -hmm. And how to deliver certain lines and how to bring the right humor in or the right moment. Because I've gotten really accustomed to what that is. That doesn't mean I don't surprise myself sometimes too. But I know kind of where I, I'm, I can be really good on the emotions piece. And I can be really good with the flippant humor. Mm-hmm. But I can also be very good with like, here's why this is important to you. Here's what you should do, all that. But I know where my strengths are. doesn't mean I won't go try to play outside of the ballpark, so to speak but I've learned here's, here's where I know my craft is really good and I stick to it. Yeah. And again, some of that comes
0: with time, but at the same time, like we've kind of touched on, like some of that can be accelerated with working with, uh, with the right group of people or with the right coach. And uh, I, and that's why, you know, we're actually doing a brand new training on this, uh, a cohort that you are leading. And we say cohort, like a small group of students, 10, 12 students or so where you're going to be working with them, like going through step by step by step and like helping people be go, go from just like reading words on a page to actually being a performer and making a presentation that, that comes alive. That the reality is is like we've we've talked about this before but your best marketing tool as a speaker is a great presentation in the same mm-hmm. way that you know when we think about things products or services or goods or experiences that we recommend we recommend them not because the marketing was slick but because like the, the product of the experience was really really good when you watch an amazing show on netflix or when you hear some new song or when you eat at a new restaurant then you tell people right. about that it's not because the menu had a certain font or a certain color scheme. It was like, no, no, the food was so stinking good. You got to eat. It. You got to try this place. Right. Same thing is true with a speaker. Like when when people see a speaker that was amazing, we got to have them come speak at our company. We got to have them speak at our next event. Or an event planner saying, telling all their event planner. Uh, colleagues and friends like you have to have this be that was the best presentation that i have ever seen our audience ate it up it was amazing i've never got so much feedback and so so much of this is again where stagecraft brings a presentation and a talk to life so can you just kind of give us an overview of when we're talking about this stagecraft cohort what are you going to be walking our students through
1: Well, this is brand new that I'm doing this. I had, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) We've been cooking this one up. So uh, one of the things that I, I mean, the whole journey is a journey. First of all, I want to start this whole thing with helping people really get in the Ryan mindset that you are a speaker and you're a performer and there's some scary stuff to get through that you got to be in the right mindset but as soon as i like whip you into shape on the mindset and we're we're going to clip through this it's going to be an eight ten week deep dive sort of thing but lots of good working sessions and everything we're going to start moving right into some of the key elements like when to take a risk what is humor when do you use humor how do you do cadence how do you use vocals you know how do you Find the right story. How do you connect the dots? How do you book in stuff? There's lots of stuff like you say this at the beginning and then you book in it at the end and suddenly they're like, wait, just like a comedian, they say this one joke at the very beginning or tell this one story and then suddenly at the very end, they're like moving along and then they say this other thing. It's like, oh, okay, that was funny. Number one, it's like, wow, they really did this. So we're taking them through a journey. There's also going to be some technical stuff because we can't just show up on stage There's the whole thing of like understanding with the lighting, understanding the stage layouts, the different kinds of stages. I love mapping stages. So it's kind of like, you know, creating all those places where you're supposed to show up on a stage, but I use the stage to help me remember where I'm going. I mean, most Mm. of my talks, there's certain parts of the stage that every time I'm standing in that area, I know, Hey, I'm talking about this, or I'm talking about this, or I'm talking about that. Or I know when I go from downstage to upstage, there's a purpose behind that. But it also helps me go, oh, I know exactly where I'm going because I've mapped out the stage. So we're going to cover a lot of territory. What I'm most excited about is we're going to work with every student in live sessions like every other session is we're coming together. We're doing it virtually, but we're going to get down. We're going to get dirty. We're going to be doing some stuff. We're going to be teaching them how to give feedback. And each student gets to have a session at the very beginning, like here's the core of my talk, but this kind of where I'm going so that I can say, okay, now I kind of know you. So I can see where we need to go. Each student's going to be able to learn how to give feedback to other students. And then by the end, everybody's going to be doing live parts of their talks. And then we end it with, they come back with me at the very end and like, okay, now let's do that same talk that you did at the very beginning and see where we've gotten to with the hopes that in a 15, 20 minute talk, that it will be something completely different and that they'll have the faith in themselves to go, I can do this. I can be a performer in my own right, in the way that I'm a performer. Yeah, very well said. And, and this is exactly what we talked about earlier that it
0: is as a speaker, as a performer, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. You know, I've given hundreds and hundreds of presentations myself. Uh, and yet at the same time, like I need that outside feedback. I need that outside coaching. Like what are the blind spots that I'm just, I'm just yep. not seeing. I've, whether you've given, you know, a couple of presentations or hundreds or thousands of presentations, there's always ways that we can be improving and getting better at, at what we do in terms of stagecraft. So Rick, we appreciate the time, man. We appreciate you, uh, what Thank you, you do for our students here at The Speaker. Lab and look forward to that journey ahead. Hey, before you take off, if you are excited about what you heard in today's episode and interested in learning more about our StageCraft cohort, I want you to go to thespeakerlab.com slash StageCraft. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash StageCraft. There you can schedule a call with one of our enrollment advisors. And uh, listen, understand this. Rick, as you heard today, is an amazing coach, and he is planning an incredible experience for our students. We hope you join us. Again, go to thespeakerlab.com slash StageCraft, and we can't wait to see you there.